My name is Brian Kinsey, and I'm the pastor of First Pentecostal Church in Pensacola. I'm delighted that you're listening to this message, and I hope it blesses your life. If you'd like to submit a prayer request, or if you're interested in a personal Bible study, you can call us at 850-477-1100, or send us an email at firstpent at firstpent.org. We hope you enjoy this message. Good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, This evening, we have something wonderful planned for you. We're going to do a panel discussion. I have Brother Daniel Strobel here with us, Brother Jeremy Stafford, and also Brother John Brown. Going to be asking them some questions. We, We polled several young people in our church for them to give us some questions they would like for us to answer. And they sent me some very interesting questions. And so we're going to have a lot of fun tonight uh, answering their questions and trying to to do our best to give direction during this crisis because people need direction. They need the wisdom of God on how they conduct themselves and how they approach the crisis and how to think about it. And then also to experience God's best during this time? Can we experience God's best during a crisis? And I believe that we can if we follow biblical principles. I think that that is the key to to every question and every answer is to follow biblical principles. And so that's what we're going to discuss tonight. And I really appreciate you joining us this evening. Now, remember tomorrow night, Brother Jeremy Stafford will be preaching at 7 p.m., And then on Sunday morning at 11 a.m., please tune in and connect with us. We're going to have a great service, 11 a.m., an online broadcast. And then at 6 p.m., Brother Rick Stoops, our district superintendent from Maine, is going to be preaching about miracles, and he's going to be praying for miracles. We need a healing in our nation. We need a revelation of truth in our nation. And as a result, of this crisis. I believe people have been shaken enough that they will be open to the gospel and their hearts ready to receive something great from God. So we're going to begin with our questions. Brother Daniel Strobel, it's a great privilege to have you on this panel discussion. And the question that many of these young people asked was, how do we grow deeper in God During this time, when we're not in church, we don't have the fellowship of God's people, but how do we grow deeper in God? And I'll I'll just turn it over to you and let you uh, offer us an answer to that question. Well, that's a great, great question, Pastor. And uh, I believe the, the essence to that comes down to one word, desire. Mm. What do you desire? Yes. The, the psalmist said in Psalm 274, he said, one thing have I desired of the Lord that will I seek after. The psalmist said, my soul desire, that one thing, I'm going to give it everything I've got. I'm going to do it with all my heart. I'm going to seek after the Lord that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. temple. So that desire has to be there. Without desire, everything else is meaningless. But if you've got a heart for God and you desire 
to grow deeper in God, your desire is going to dictate your actions. Mm -hmm. If you desire God, you're going to do what it takes to get into his presence. You're going to seek the Lord and you're going to call upon his name. Now, I know you you're this is a very familiar term we use around First Pentecostal Church is that you need to be intentional. So your desire will dictate your actions and those actions will become intentional. This is my plan. This is how I'm going to grow deeper in God. In any other area of life, whether your your desire is to become a doctor, a lawyer, to be a professional athlete, whatever it might be, that individual has a desire to reach that goal. No matter what comes, they face every challenge. They, they, they go through all they need to go through in order to obtain that goal. When I was a young man, um, I used to ride my bicycle down to the, the, uh, the Marine Corps recruiter. I can't tell you why I wanted to become a Marine, but I had a desire to become a Marine. So what I would do, even Brother Jeremy, before I was old enough to join, I would <laughs> ride my bike to his office and sit down and talk with him and, and talk about the Marine Corps and, and what it was like. So my desire was that's what I wanted to do. And so whatever it took, I wanted to reach that goal. And I think it's the same in the kingdom of God. If you want to grow deeper, the good news is that God is saying, come on up. God is saying, I'm available. God's not closing the door. God has that door open. So if I have a desire, if I'm intentional about it, we see that God is willing to to allow us to come up to that next level. Right now, we have an opportunity uh, because our schedules have been cleared. Uh, There's not much that we can do. There's not many places we can go. And so what are you doing with that with that time that God is that that we have right now in this season? If you had to pull people of the number one excuse they have as far as uh, their devotion to God and what, um, you know, what holds them back, what what keeps them from growing in God? Most of the time you would probably hear people say, well, I just don't have time. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I have these responsibilities right now. Uh, the, those responsibilities, you know, unless you're homeschooling your children, um, <laughs> things have probably got a little easier for you. I know from my household, it's gotten a little bit more uh, difficult with the children at home. But again, if you're intentional right now, you can use that time well. And so that desire uh, will lead you down that path of growing in God. I read a disturbing article this morning that said that during this quarantine, that the average uh, American that they polled or surveyed was streaming up to eight hours a day. Wow. So uh, they no longer have to go to work or to school or any other responsibilities. So they're spending that time wow. streaming, binging uh, for eight hours a day. Now, we know the people of God, we know we, we could use that time to develop our relationship with God and to grow in God. Uh, the opening of the book of Psalms is is the key, I believe, to how to grow deeper. It shows us that that pathway that we can take. When you look at Psalm 1, it says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth his fruit in season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. If you're going to grow deeper in God, you've got to find your delight in the word of God. So again, I'll go back. Desire, becoming intentional, finding that delight in the word of God. 
deepening that relationship with the Lord. And the psalmist said, you'll be a tree, just like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Not only that, but the psalmist said, there's a blessing that comes upon the righteous. The ungodly, he said, they're not, it's not so for them, but oh, for the, for the righteous, there is a blessing that comes for the righteous. So desire is just, desire is good. Uh, Intent, being intentional is good. Delighting yourself in in the law of the Lord is very good. But those three alone won't do it. You've got to have a little bit more into that equation and you've got to be able to fight the good fight. Because whenever anybody makes a decision, at least from my experience, you make a decision to grow deeper in God, you're going to encounter resistance. And when you encounter resistance, it may come from those even closest around you, family and friends. And it can be very difficult for an individual to want to grow and develop in God when they encounter resistance. But if you keep your eye on the goal, if you keep your eye on this is what I desire, you're going to be able to do, as Paul said, I'm going to just fight the good fight of faith through all opposition, through every difficult thing that comes my way. Why? Because my goal is more important than any opposition I face. So right now in this season, grow deeper in God. Delight yourself in the word of the Lord. Be intentional. Have a plan. Seek the Lord. He can be found. Call upon him while he is near. And I believe if we'll just fight that good fight of faith, we can grow deeper in God and come out of this season stronger than what we went into it. Well, that's awesome. So let's review what you just said, and let's kind of go down the list of what it takes to grow deeper in God during this time. First of all, you have to have a desire. I mean, without desire and a hunger for God. And then what was your second thing? Being intentional. You got to be intentional. That means you've got to have a plan, something you've got to do. You've got to have your Bible ready. You got to pray. You got to get off of the live streaming as you were talking about that article. Then the third thing is to delight Mm -hmm. yourself in the Lord. That's very important that we delight ourselves in the Lord. And then the last thing was you got to fight the good fight of faith because of the resistance, just your own natural resistance, (laughs) just your own laziness. You got to fight it. So does anybody want to add a comment to that or to uh, that? That was an excellent, excellent explanation. Excellent answer. I think going to that, one of the things that I've been pushing on the young people is with us having more time with them having more time, it usually takes about 20 to 60 days to start a habit. Yeah. And so if they haven't been doing their rule of five, if they haven't been intentional, this is a time to reevaluate those things and to start that habit so that whenever this does free back up, they've started that habit in their life. That's a good point. Very good. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Brother Daniel, for that answer. I thought it was outstanding. And I think if we will apply these principles and we will work the biblical purpose and and plan of God, it works. It works in a crisis. It works no matter what the situation is in your life, because like you said, God is available. God is available. Now, Brother uh, Jeremy, I wanted to ask you this question about, okay, we're, we're stuck here in this moment in time. We now have a plan to grow, and I think it was an excellent plan. But can we live abundantly? Can we live? How do we live the abundant life? That's what these young people were asking in their questions. 
How do we get into his presence and really worship him during a time like this? Can we increase? Can we raise our level of expectation? It seems like everything's on hold, but do we have to put our faith on hold? Do we have to put our uh, our walk with God on hold? I don't, I don't think so. I have thrived during this time. I have enjoyed, I've caught up on stuff. (laughs) I'm, I'm, I'm writing, I'm working. I mean, I'm having a great time. Uh, And so I don't have a lot of the distractions that you normally have. So I'm enjoying my, my, this season. I can't do one thing about it. So I'm going to enjoy my season, but uh, share with us your thoughts on that question of of how to live that abundant life. Well, I believe we can. I believe that we can live abundantly. Um, <clears throat> the verse that I thought of was Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. He has an expected end for us. And so if we'll follow his plan, if we'll follow those steps that Brother Strobel laid out for us, I believe that we can fulfill what God wants to do in our life, even during this time. I know that many of us were set to travel during this time, several different weeks. And a lot of times, even in your daily devotion, sometimes that almost feels rushed when you're traveling or when you're on the go. And so it's given us that more, that more time to sit down and, okay, be intentional, have that freedom to spend more time reading, writing, things like that. And then to start those habits I think during this time, it starts with um, what you what you teach, teach all of us that rule of five, that we need to make sure that we're doing that every day and that prayer and Bible reading are so important during this time because it le- it, it increases our level of expectation. Turn off the media. <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> when, we, when we turn off I the media, that's the main thing, because I feel like a lot of times we we react so emotionally. And whenever you start watching the media and you start watching all the things that are happening in our world, it start you feel those emotions start being tied up in your life, and you start you start feeling like, how are we ever going to get through this? But then when you open up your Bible and you start reading and you read the verse where God has an expected end for us, you know those those um, we start becoming unattached to what the media is saying and what attached to what God has for our lives and what he wants to do in our life. And I've just found peace, you know, during this time because I'm reading my Bible. I'm, yes. I'm more intentional. I'm, I'm reading different devotions, sometimes two or three devotions a day. And I feel, I feel that peace in that room whenever I'm doing those yes. things. That's good. And people that don't do those things, they don't, <clears throat> they don't realize how tied up you can be to those emotions yes. of the media that they want to scare you to death or, or become fearful. And so I, I feel like God is our peace during this time. Yes. And when you find your when you find those emotions gripping you, you've got to let go of that and find find time to talk to God and let that peace come over you. And I believe He He raises those levels of expectation in our lives. Over time, it, it, I believe it that I believe it'll work like that. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Any other comment? I on? think that's very good. I think. I think right now people are so uh, in tune to what's going on in the world and, and they need to be aware of what's happening. And it, there is a, a tendency, though, to be so attached to it that, you know, you begin to wonder, oh, my, you know, are we going to make it? 
uh, what's going to happen next. And uh, before long, you're you're emotionally a wreck. And brother Jeremy hit the nail on the head. You've got to you got to turn that off. Open up that word of the Lord. The word of God will lift you up. His promises are there. God hasn't forsaken us. Right. He's still with us and he's going to be our help through this season. So that's great. So let's review what Brother Jeremy has said, because I think it's important for us to remember. First of all, turn the ever-loving media <laughs> off, except for this live stream <laughs> broadcast. Not don't, yet. Turn, right. don't turn this one off, but uh, turn the media off because it does. Uh, they know how to manipulate your emotions <clears throat> with certain stories, and uh, they, they do all of these different kinds of things uh, to manipulate our emotions. However, the word of God, like you said, is true. It never changes. God doesn't change. His word doesn't change. When you get into that word, the same peace you feel at church, you're going to feel right here in this panel. You're going to feel in your home. You're going to feel in your own room studying or doing whatever the Lord places on your heart because the peace of God is the same. And it works even in a storm. It works. If you have that walk in relationship with God. So I think everyone should focus on that and really uh, be intentional about their time. And like you said, another thing, turn off the media and watch your time. Watch the structure of your time. How much time are you spending doing these different things? And why don't you add some devotionals now that you don't have as many responsibilities now that you're don't have as many uh, distractions. And we know uh, now, don't get me wrong. I want this to be over <laughs> like already over. <laughs> I wanted it yesterday, but by the same token, I'm not going to waste my time. Right. I'm going to take my time and I'm going to utilize it to, to the benefit of the kingdom of God and, and, and a heart for God. Any other comment on these things? Very good. Very good presentation. Excellent answer to the question. <clears throat> now we also have brother John Brown with us and brother John Brown uh, has been used of God to teach him a, a lot of Bible studies and win people from those Bible studies. He's taught a lot of Bible studies here in Pensacola as we have all <clears throat> experienced who have taught Bible studies here in Pensacola. The atmosphere is very resistant and very difficult to win people. Uh, but we've persevered and we continued the, the fight because we need to get this message out. We need right. to get the doctrine, the truth out to people. And the best way to do that is to build a relationship with them. We understand that. But now that we're growing in the Lord, we're going to live the abundant life. We're going to do these. We're going to apply these principles. But that's not enough if we're not ministering to people. If we're not telling people about Jesus, we're not fulfilling the, the Great Commission. Right. I mean, we're not being the Christians we're supposed to be. If we're just simply absorbing God's presence and receiving from God, and that's perfectly uh, in order, especially during these times, we yes. need to, right. but we've got to give out. We have to minister. Yeah. We don't have a church service to go to. So we're going to have to tell people about Jesus. Mm -hmm. 
And there's a lot of options out there now to be able to share the gospel, even if we cannot socially intermingle at this point. We can still get online with them. Yes. There's a lot of different right. ways. There's Skype, there's FaceTime. Instead of using all of that for, for the wrong purposes, we could be telling people about Jesus. Right. We could be sharing the gospel. Yes. So uh, first of all, Brother Brown, why don't you just talk to us a little bit about Bible studies, your experience with it, any pointers that you would have as we move forward after this crisis is done and they lift this ban of social uh, intermingling. I know that we still have to be safe and all of that, but uh, what do you, what are you feeling in your spirit about this? Talk to me. Well, um, my background in high school, I was really shy. So when I got taught search for truth, which is a, at the time of 10 lesson Bible study, I was learning things that really uh, were new and they were exciting and they really um, got my attention because I kept wondering, I went to Sunday school my whole young life, how come I never heard this mm -hmm. stuff? And the, the title of the Bible study was Search for Truth. And the reason is people have only heard snippets of the truth and a lot of the good stuff has been left out for whatever reason. So I got so That's excited, I asked right the, the pastor that was teaching me, could I teach this? And he said, yes. When would you like to? And I said, right now. <laughs> so I was taking Stay lesson four, and he gave me his own chart in the sheets. And <clears throat> when I started lesson five, I was teaching already. I had found a group. They were all divorcees, and they were meeting. They invited me to a Bible study, and I went, sat in, said nothing because they were sitting around and philosophizing about God. Uh -huh. And the host said, well, you didn't say anything. I said, well, I didn't want to be contentious. She said, what do you mean? I said, they were saying all this, what they think about God, but I thought this was supposed to be a Bible study. Right. So the next time she said, no, no, next time you got to say what's on your mind. If something comes up. So somebody said so-and-so, and I said, well, that's not what the Bible says. And everybody stopped and looked at me. And I said, wow. I don't remember what the subject was exactly, but anyway, I quoted the scripture and I told them where it was. And everybody got up and went and got their Bible. It was off in the corner somewhere. I thought, there's a good, interesting idea. Why don't we bring the Bible to a Bible school? <laughs> but anyway, that showed me what the problem was. People yep. aren't really right. reading the word. And so. That's uh, right. And that's a good point. That opened up a door and it, it showed me that the problem is we aren't really educated in the book. We're right. educated to various religious doctrines, cultures, news media. Uh, and so when I realized I needed to reach beyond that group, I needed a way to talk to people, being shy. That's my, that's my natural nature. I came up with a system I call surfing, and it works for me. I'll tell you what it is briefly, and, and if somebody can use it, that's great. It's S-E-R-F. And that's an acronym. S stands for spiritual. E stands for educational. R stands for recreation. And F stands for financial or family, depending. And I'll give you an example. I went into a gas station. There was a young lady uh, that was going to pay for the gas. And as soon as I went in there, I felt something. I don't know how to explain it. I just felt like there was something there. So I went back and got my wife because I didn't want her to think that I was interested in her for the wrong reason. And when I went back in there, immediately thought 
family. I just went through my little letter and said, hey, women usually are interested in family stuff. So I asked her about her family and she told me something. And then she starts telling me that she had this drug problem. Hmm. She was hooked on methamphetamine. I'd never even heard of this stuff. Wow. And I'm looking at my wife and she's looking at me and I'm thinking, all we did was ask a question. But the point is, if you learn how to ask people about their life, yes. yeah. whatever That's system good. you come up with, That's people want to tell you about their life. There's no real humans anymore to talk to. There's, there's <laughs> this stuff. There's Wastebook, I call it. And all these other uh, <laughs> anti-social websites. And so if you learn how to ask people questions, they can't wait to tell you something. And that led to a Bible study with her, her boyfriend, and her mother and father. And her father was a psychiatrist. And it gave me an opportunity to glean from him some of why people react the way they do. Because that was his expertise. So anyway, that's what I do. And so the only thing I would do different now is I might lead the questions toward like, how did you survive this Corona thing or whatever, you know, something like that. And then people, everybody's going to have a story. Right. Right. And some people are learning that maybe <laughs> they aren't as friendly with their family as they thought they were. Right. You know, they're with them 24 seven. But anyway, whatever, you know, so uh, I guess what I'm saying is God gave us one mouth and two ears. And sometimes we get it backwards with Pentecostals. We want to just preach to them. I think we're supposed to listen twice as much as we want to talk. And when you leave, that person will think you're great, and they don't know a thing about you. You could be a serial killer. But because you listen, they think you're wonderful, and they're open now to a Bible study. Well, let me just stop you right here, and then I'll let you continue, because this is a very powerful point that we need to remember. And I think it's a the greatest tool right now. And I can just feel a witness in the spirit when you said it, that we need to listen to people's story because yes, yeah. mm-hmm. everybody's going to have a story, right. whether it's a funny story, whether it's a tragic story or whether yes. it's just a fear, uh, a fear story. Right. We need to listen to their story. Mm-hmm. And that is what's going to open the door for us to minister. Mm-hmm. To them. Right. We need to listen and hear their story because right. people are going to, everybody's going to have a story. <laughs> I was shut in with my kids and dear goodness, I'm going to have to check in to the insane asylum. <laughs> no, we can pray for you. God can help you through that. You know, we, we it's an open door, but please continue. I just wanted to make that point. I think it's well, that's, very important. That's the whole point. And then, uh, when you get an audience like with this lady, I've learned right away. You don't say, what evenings are you free? I usually say, well, I have, if you like a Bible study, we typically do it in the evenings. You work daytimes. Uh, would Tuesday or Thursday evening be better for you? You know, give them fewer choices because when you just say, what you been thinking? People's mind goes blank. Right. But if you give them yeah. some parameters, you know, some boundaries, it works out easier. And uh, I even tell them that uh, if, you're, if you're still not sure, We'll come do one Bible study. I'll leave my phone number and I will never come back and I'll never call you. If you want to continue, call and we'll come do lesson two. Because after they get lesson one, you can't eat one potato chip. That's right. (laughs) And and I've never had that fail. It works. It does. Very, very good. Excellent. Thank you, uh, Brother Brown. Does anybody want to comment on this? Listen to their story. 
and then give them those parameters. Give, you know, nail them down. If, if they seem to be open to a Bible study, all right, when can we do this? Right. And, and would Tuesday work? Tuesday's a great day for me. Or, or Thursday's a great day for me. What time? Five o'clock, whatever, right. six o'clock. Great time. I can do it then. Mm-hmm. Can you do it? Right. But one of the things that's different now than when I started, I used to automatically suggest their home. That doesn't work for a lot of people anymore. I don't know what's happened. I yeah, I, I agree. That's a good point. So I tell them we can have it at your place, at my place, at McDonald's, at Starbucks, at mall, rest area, whatever you feel comfortable. I met a guy at the mall last year. That's the first time I've done that. And we sat on the sofa and talked. And, uh, he had a lot of interesting ideas. But anyway, the point is, you want them to be comfortable, not intimidated. That's good. Well, I think that's a key point. And uh, I know that a lot of people have used manipulation, intimidation tactics, but that is not the work of Jesus. When he healed right. people, he said, go thy way. Right. And even though they wanted to come with him, he said, go home to your family. Right. Uh, he was not intimidating right. in, in that regard. Bible says that grace poured from his lips right. in the book of Psalms, mm-hmm. the messianic prophecy about him. And I believe that all that we see in the gospels, that that was fulfilled in the way Jesus talked to people because right. they wanted to come listen. They didn't want to go to this, hear the Pharisees. Right. They didn't want to go to the synagogue. So they, and they went out on the hillside without food mm-hmm. because that grace poured from his lips. Yeah. The Bible used the word poured. It just poured out wow. uh, from his yeah. lips. And that was uh, the, the essence of his message and his ministry. And I think that uh, if we do this growth and we do this abundance, we receive this from the Lord, we will have that grace to give. Right. And, and without the intimidation and without the, uh, those type of tactics. Now, a lot of our young people want to know about the doctrine. They want to know how to explain it. And what I have experienced and you have experienced, because we've discussed it before, that there's a lot of people, especially when it comes to the oneness, many of them already have the concept of what we teach and preach. That's their that's their concept. Mm-hmm. Although they use different terminology than we do. They don't use they use the extra biblical terminology. To describe it, they use right. the word trinities and uh, Father God and, uh, you know, God the Son and God the Holy Ghost and, right. and these type of terms that are not in the scripture. Right. Uh, but they use them, yet when you talk to them and you try to pin them down on the truth, they actually believe what we believe. Right. And so, how do you bring somebody out? and bring them forward. Now, they may have been baptized in the name or the titles Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, I want them to get baptized in Jesus' name because of what the Bible teaches, mm-hmm. and they need to for the remission of their sins. So give us – now, you're talking to young people now right? because that's who asks these questions, and I'm sure there's a lot of people that have those questions. Okay, mm-hmm. how do we – how do we share these truths? Now, I find it has been best to do the Bible study. Right. And then that's where I share the truth. Mm-hmm. That way I don't I can use relationship and not intimidation. Right. And not try to force it on them. I, I that way 
I love it in a Bible study when I come to those truths and the light comes on in their eyes. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can just see it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's nothing as rewarding That's as right. to watch a soul say, I get it. Right. Why haven't I heard this like you were talking? Right. Why haven't I heard this before? Right. But give us some of your experience, however you want to answer that question. That's a loaded question. Isn't Not it? really. It's, uh, <laughs> I refined it over time by trial and error. And uh, I don't mind saying I have sat with probably 50 different pastors. And we've had sessions <laughs> all the way from mild discussions to I had one preacher pick up his Bible and throw it on the floor as hard as he could and said something. He didn't say a cuss word, but he said something loud. And then I said, I think we ought to just stop and pray. And he said, no, I'm not praying. And his wife was in the room and she looked at him and I looked at him and he realized then he's kind of over the edge and calmed down and sat back down. And, you know, he was kind of embarrassed. But um, so I guess you'd call that an argument. <laughs> but uh, it occurred to me one day, we, uh, my, the first person I uh, was instrumental in converting to the truth was uh, raised Catholic. And he and I were meeting with Church of Christ, three of their elders. They were without a pastor at the time. And we were going over the difference in our doctrine. <clears throat> and um, during that meeting, I believe the Lord revealed to me that the three parts of salvation are repentance, water baptism, and infilling of the Holy Ghost. Correct. And the Lord pointed out to me the only part that you can take part in as the church is baptism. Mm -hmm. The convert has to repent. The church, which is your new mother, has to repent, uh, supply the water, just like in the natural birth. The Father supplies the Holy Ghost. So the Lord told me, just stay on baptism. If they don't get that right, nothing else matters. Right. Doesn't matter what they believe about the Godhead. And man, I, I was stunned in oh, the silence. Oh, that's great. For a that's that's wonderful. So I kept bringing these people back to the baptism. And one guy jumped out of his chair. He was a college professor. He said, oh, you want to talk about his baptism? And fortunately, Church of Christ people do believe baptism is essential to salvation. So right. we comment on that. And I said, well, that's a fork in the road. If you take the wrong fork, there's no use talking about these other subjects down the road till we get back at the fork. And we went ahead and finished. We spent six meetings with these people over a six-week period. And at the end, when I told them I thought we'd accomplished all we could, and I thanked them for their grace and mercy putting up with us. And I asked him, I said, before I go, I have to ask, how are you going to baptize? And the leading elder said, I don't know how to baptize now. So he went from being sure that they were right to not being sure. So something got to him. So I guess what I'm saying is I don't intentionally take people to the Godhead. I take them to baptism because actually baptism is an act of obedience, which is part of the new birth. And I can back this with scripture. As you obey the Lord, you get revelation. And the Godhead's revelation is not human logic. It's not human reasoning. So if you figured it out with human reasoning, it's probably wrong. Right. Good. Because for what if you can figure it out, you don't need a revelation. And for what you get a revelation for, you can't figure out. In other words, for example, how does water wash away my sin? I was bathing my whole life and it didn't wash it away. But I did it a certain way and it washed away my sin. 
Mm-hmm. When I got immersed in Jesus' name, it washed away my sin. Now, see, that's not human logic. Right. That sounds like ignorance. But it's, a re- it's revealing God's word. And Jesus said, no man knoweth the Father but the Son. No man knoweth the Son but the Father. And to whomsoever the Son will reveal it. So their relationship and their identity is a revelation. You can expound on it. You can show the scriptures. Some scriptures are pretty direct, like in Isaiah says, unto us a son is given, unto us a child is born, and he shall be called the Comforter, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. The son that is given shall be called the Everlasting Father. That's pretty direct. But still, that little light has to turn on your head. God has to get you over that, and that requires effort. You have to study the word, and it requires a right heart. You've got to be open. You've got to be open to the fact that God, am I wrong on this? Show me. I remember when I was studying this, I finally got so confused. I put all my notes down. I said, God, you got to show me. Is Jesus God or not? And boom, just like that, I saw it. And from right. that on, it's been history. Amen. But I try to just take That's it to baptism. Because if you get baptized, I, t- I even promised him. I said, you get baptized, God will show you something. Will it be the God? I don't know. But he will show you something. He I had one person we taught a Bible study to. When he got baptized, he came out. His wife got baptized. He was talking to me how great it was and how wonderful. And, and the way he was talking about baptism, I knew something was odd. I said, what do you mean? He said, the way the water turned to red when you get baptized. I said, it did? He said, yeah, didn't I, didn't I do that with everybody? I said, I never heard of it. He said he opened his eyes on the water and it turned red, just like magic. But he fought that so hard that evidently God thought he needed that. Right. But that was a revelation to him. And after that, he saw the God, the oneness of God. And so uh, every time you get closer to God and do more obedient, uh, more obeying his word, you get a different additional revelation. And that's all in the Bible. It's all in there. And uh, to, to show you how profound that is, in Luke chapter 24, not Luke chapter 2 or Luke chapter 6, but Luke chapter 24, after the disciples been with Jesus all the way up to the end, it said, then opened he their understanding that they might, they might understand the scriptures, maybe, possibly. Then, how can we expect to understand it more than they did unless Good point. we get the right attitude and pray and God helps us? And that's called revelation. Amen. That's great. Uh, last night, I taught on how I teach a Bible study and what I try to accomplish when I do teach a Bible study. And I know, and I brought uh, everyone's attention to the time when the 10 lepers came to Jesus and he didn't heal them immediately, but he gave them a command to obey. And as they obeyed, they were healed. And then one got the revelation of who Jesus was. They didn't know who Jesus was. They just wanted their, their healing so they could call him. Right. So they could go home to mama. Yeah. <laughs> they obviously weren't under the shut-in law. <laughs> but they uh, they wanted to go on home, but that one came back and worshipped, and he was made whole. Right. And so I think the point of us obeying God, and uh, the, that's a magnificent way of getting people to see the truth, is to focus on what they need to obey and that's water baptism in Jesus' name. Right. If they get that right, then the further revelation will come down the line as they move on to know the Lord. I think mm-hmm. that's that's the key right there right. that we're looking for right. to give people their answer mm-hmm. when they're 
you know, is my mama going to be saved? Is my grandma going to be saved? And all of these uh, elements that we can't answer those questions because we honestly don't know. Right. Because that's not our jurisdiction. God didn't give us the power right. to uh, to judge people in that dimension. That's God himself. He's the only judge in that matter. But we have to teach the truth. And we have to bring people to obedience. And I said, that's what I do in my Bible studies. Everything I do is to bring people into obedience. You got, this is what you need to do. Men and brethren, what must we do? do. When a person's heart is convicted, they want to know, okay, not what do I need to study? What do I need to understand? What do I need to do? That's what the text declares. When you're pricked in your heart and God's dealing with you, okay, what do I do? Now here's, this is what you do. You repent, you be baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the glorious gift of the Holy Spirit. That's right. I love it. I think that's our answer Mm -hmm. as far as what these young people were wanting to know. Mm -hmm. That is the answer that is so vitally important Mm -hmm. to us. And, and I think it's, it's valuable uh, for us to, uh, to know that. Any, any other comment on this? This is very excellent stuff. Brown. Excellent. Very good. Very, very good. Any other comment? Well, I was just, let me just add that. Uh, to reinforce that concept, the revelation of Godhead is necessary. And it's clear when you read the gospel, Jesus never denied being God and he never said he was God. He kind of laid a bunch of clues. But when it comes to water baptism, it's very concrete. We have verse after verse after verse after verse after verse that you are immersed in Jesus' name. It's all through Acts, it's in Romans, it's in Colossians, it's in Galatians, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. So you don't need a revelation for that. If so, if they if a person isn't going to obey the plain stuff, you can forget about the revelation stuff. Oh, that's very good. <laughs> very you know what good. I'm I, I believe that. So uh, it, it's the simple things that are hard, like love your enemy. <laughs> Do I have to? Yeah. Can I work on it? Well, whatever. <laughs> so yeah. Well, the Sermon on the Mount. If anybody reads the Sermon on the Mount and doesn't get discouraged yeah. <laughs> and wonder, how am I going to live this? Right. Well, that's when you need the relationship with God. That's when you need the empowerment of God. Right. You cannot live the Sermon on the Mount if Jesus is not in your life helping you do that. I guess what I found is their reaction to baptism is an attitude test. I, I think if they that's can't right. deal with that, forget about the rest of it. Uh, that's good. That's, good. that's a good point. Well, I'm in perfect agreement with that because in all of my Bible studies, uh, I have seen if I cannot get them to obey what I'm, what the Bible tells them to do, right. then they stop. They hit a wall and they never get past it. That's right. Because no, no argument from that point on will work. You can't argue it. You can't intimidate them because they've built a wall with disobedience mm-hmm. and you cannot overcome right. disobedience. Right. They won't kill the old man. So you can't That's get a new it. one. <laughs> to obey is better than sacrifice. So that means no matter how much money you give, no matter what you do for others, no matter what sacrifices you make, mm-hmm. if you do not obey, then there is no uh, deliverance. I right. think that is a key answer yes. that we were searching for 
and these young people were searching for. Right. And I think teaching Bible studies to get people to obey is the key. Mm-hmm. And that's what I told them last night. That's how I t- have taught my Bible studies yeah. right. is to get them to obey. Right. And, and God um, will bring the revelation. I'm not skirting around the Godhead issue, but uh, sometimes you get questions like, um, who was Jesus praying to? If he was God, who was he praying to? And even a Trinitarian, I don't know why they would ask that. But my question to a Trinitarian, well, I thought you believe Jesus is God. Why would he pray if he's God? But what I found is, if you can ask them a difficult biblical question that causes them to stumble a little bit, now they're thinking, because what happens sometimes, we preach our party line, they preach their party line, and nobody makes any progress. So I like to take them to John 3.13 and... uh, and have them read it while I'm sitting there. And um, this is just one example. You could probably do this with other other scriptures. John 3.13 says, And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven, and I ask them, who's speaking here? And if they got a red letter Bible, they will say Jesus. And it doesn't take much to figure that out. And I say, well, then why does he say, who is this he? He said, but he that came down from heaven, who is that? He said, well, that's Jesus. Why does Jesus say he and not me? They never answered that. I've never had anybody answer that. They just look at me. And then it says, who's the son of man? Well, that's Jesus. Why didn't he say me there? Why does he say son of man? And they, nobody's ever answered that. And then I say, where does he say the son of man is? And they'll look at it and say, he's in heaven. Huh? He's in heaven? Well, who's standing there talking to him? <laughs> and I've never had anybody answer it. And then I say, That's good. <laughs> That's I'm closing good the book. And when you can deal with that, you'll know who he was praying to. That's and right. that's the way I leave it. I don't give him an answer. Yeah. Because that's the answer right there. That's the answer. Mm-hmm. Boy, that is the answer. Well, see, that's something they've never heard in their that, denominational that. teaching. And they don't give them the hard stuff and, and the stuff that leads them to the next step of truth. And uh, I have got a lot more mileage with that than the way I used to do it. Well, they stop with the party line. Mm-hmm. And they've created this party line from all of these cultural adaptations from the medieval age and from the different church councils that they had to uh, make the church relevant to their culture. And they made all these changes to where now it doesn't even look like what Jesus uh, uh, established right. and what he built and what his intention was. So mm-hmm. uh, that's why the apostolic church, and again, it's what I told them last night. Everything is to get back to that original model. Right. And and are we perfect in that? Not yet, but we're trying. Mm-hmm. We're striving right. to be that first century church. Right. Because that's the model right. that Jesus both began to do and to teach. Right. Acts is not a historical document right. to tell us about the history of the church. It's what Jesus began both to do. Teach. And to teach. Mm-hmm. And so that's what the apostles taught 
and did. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what he's expecting us to do. Right. Amen. Well, we're going to conclude with uh, these questions and answers. And I do appreciate all of you joining us this evening. And I want to review very quickly. We're going to grow in the Lord. We must be, we must have desire. We must have intention. We must be, have delight. We must learn to fight. In order to live abundantly above the fear that's being generated in this uh, in this time of crisis, when there are so many voices, we need to turn the media off, and we need to structure our time to be able to do thy rule of five and adopt the principles of Scripture, because the peace of God is the same, the faith of God is the same. God is the same, even if you're in a storm. God is the same. And then we need to tell people about Jesus. And one of the greatest tools, I believe, of telling people about Jesus is listen to their story and then set a time, nail them down on a time where you can share the truth with them and bring them to a point of obeying the gospel, of being baptized in Jesus' name. And I think that is where they need to begin. When they fulfill those things, then God gives them further revelation and we have the opportunity to open their understanding because no man can call Jesus Lord except by the Holy Ghost. Right. They don't have the Holy Ghost. They're not going to even be able to make whatever doctrine they believe work in their life because Jesus, you can't even call him Lord without the Holy Ghost. Takes that spirit revelation. So, Thank you for joining us this evening. Tomorrow night, Brother Jeremy Stafford will be preaching at 7 p.m. And then on Sunday morning at 11 a.m. And then Sunday at 6 p.m. Please connect with us. Brother Rick Stoops is going to be preaching. And we're just going to have a tremendous time uh, with miracles and healings. And we're he's going to be praying for those miracles. And I believe that prayer is also going to be on the World Network of Prayer website and praying for the whole church worldwide. This is going to be international praying, kingdom praying. We want God to move during this time. And I believe this is the greatest moment for apostolic advancement in the kingdom. God bless you tonight. We love you. We hope you enjoyed this message. Please reach out to us if you have any questions. We can be found at firstpent.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-E-N-T dot org. If you're ever in Pensacola, Florida, we hope you visit us. Be blessed in Jesus' name.